0: We're delighted that you have joined us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today, we continue a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Hosea chapter 12 and verse 12. Israel served for a wife, and for a wife he kept sheep. Jacob, while expostulating with Laban, thus describes his own toil. This twenty years have I been with thee. That which was torn of beasts I brought not unto thee, I bear the loss of it. Of my hand didst thou require it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was... IN THE DAY THE DROUGHT CONSUMED ME, AND THE FROST BY NIGHT, AND MY SLEEP DEPARTED FROM MINE EYES. EVEN MORE TOILSOME THAN THIS WAS THE LIFE OF OUR SAVIOR HERE BELOW. HE WATCHED OVER ALL HIS SHEEP, TILL HE GAVE IN AS HIS LAST ACCOUNT, OF ALL THOSE WHOM THOU HAST GIVEN ME, I HAVE LOST NONE. HIS HAIR WAS WET WITH DEW, AND HIS LOCKS WITH THE DROPS OF THE NIGHT. SLEEP DEPARTED FROM HIS EYES. For all night he was in prayer, wrestling for his people. One night Peter must be pleaded for, anon another claims his tearful intercession. No shepherd sitting beneath the cold skies, looking up to the stars, could ever utter such complaints because of the hardness of his toil, as Jesus Christ might have brought, if he had chosen to do so, because of the sternness of his service in order to procure his spouse cold mountains and the midnight air witnessed the fervor of his prayer. The desert his temptations knew, his conflict, and his victory too. It is sweet to dwell upon the spiritual parallel of Laban, having required all the sheep at Jacob's hand. If they were torn of beasts, Jacob must make it good. If any of them died, he must stand as surety for the whole." Was not the toil of Jesus for his church the toil of one who was under suretyship obligations to bring every believing one safe to the hand of him who had committed them to his charge? Look upon toiling Jacob, and you see a representation of him of whom we read, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. In the midst of this increasingly secularized and materialistic society, multitudes of men, women, and young people seem to have forgotten that they have immortal souls, and that one day they must stand before a holy God and face the ultimate judgment. Despite every effort to banish the reality of death from the mind, the Word of God declares it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. How can a person be ready for that awful day? Is there a way to face God without fear? The great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon answered this question in a powerful sermon entitled, Preparing to Meet God. Let the Bible Speak now offers a booklet published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, which contains this vital message under the title, Preparing to Meet God. In addition to the sermon text, the publication contains a brief biographical sketch of Spurgeon's life as well as a schedule for reading the Bible through in a year, all contained in an attractive, conveniently-sized booklet. To obtain your copy, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864 864- 244-2408 That's 864-244-2408 If you prefer regular mail you may simply write Let the Bible Speak 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina 29615 That's Let the Bible Speak 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina 29615 Just ask for your copy of Preparing to Meet God and we'll be happy to provide it. On today's broadcast, Dr. Cairns continues his series of studies in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit as he brings the next portion of a message entitled, The Work of the Holy Spirit in Regeneration. In this message, Dr. Cairns turns our attention to the work of the Spirit in the lives of individual men. The text is John 6, verse 63, where the Lord Jesus Christ said of the Holy Spirit, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The first work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is regeneration, creating spiritual life where there was nothing but death. From the Scriptures, we understand that this work of the Spirit is a necessary act, for man can do nothing to save himself. Now Dr. Cairns continues this message, The Work of the Holy Spirit in Regeneration.
1: Luke says, I have my knowledge from above From that immediate revelation and operation of God the Holy Spirit. How was the New Testament written? Exactly as the Old Testament was written. Holy men of God speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's how we got our Bible. Now that's just by the way. But that will emphasize the meaning of the word in John 3. How did I get life? I got life in exactly the same way, if I could put it that way, as Luke got uh, his inspiration. I got my regeneration immediately, directly, from above. Ye must be born from above. It's a new birth, but it's a birth from above. James 1.18 It is called a begetting By the will of God, by His own will, He begat us, James says. In Ephesians 2 and 1, it is called a quickening, or a reviving, or a bringing forth from the dead. You who were dead in sins, hath He quickened. In John 5 and 24, regeneration is called by Christ, passing from death unto life. That is passing from a state of death into a state of life. That is regeneration. Now, you will notice when I say what it is, you will notice without me having to spend much time on it, what it's not. If the Lord Jesus and his apostles give us all these descriptions of the new birth, then you can be sure the new birth is not being baptized either as an infant or as an adult. If the Lord Jesus and his apostles give us these descriptions of the new birth, then the new birth is not moral reformation. The new birth is not turning over a new leaf. The new birth is not screwing up your willpower to stop doing certain sins and start practicing certain virtues. If these descriptions are true, then the new birth is nothing of this sort and it has nothing to do with any activity of the flesh uh, whereby men would seek to make themselves morally and even spiritually more presentable. The new birth is a radical for a work of God Himself, whereby He implants life in a dead soul, whereby He gives spiritual life, eternal life, and thereby a right relationship with God to all whom He saves. This, my friend, is what we're talking about this morning: regeneration. And now that we have an idea what we're considering. We're going to make five very brief, I hope, well at least four of them will be brief, and very simple points on the work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration. First of all, it's a necessary act. You will notice that I will continually refer to this as an act, as distinct from a work or a process, because regeneration in itself must always be instantaneous there is a point where a man is dead and there is a point where he comes alive that is the act of the Holy Spirit so it is a necessary act now the Bible does not mince words when it comes to describing the state of man by nature you look at an ungodly or an unsafe man how does the Bible describe him? well it speaks of his mind Ephesians 4 and 18, having the understanding darkened. Now, that's a very, very strong statement. It speaks of his mind again in 1 Corinthians 2 and 14. And it says categorically he cannot receive the things of the Spirit. Things that are spiritually discerned. he cannot receive of his mind again in Romans chapter 8 and verse 7 and it says the carnal mind which literally is the mind of the flesh is enmity against God it is not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be now that's how the Holy Spirit speaks of the mind of the unregenerate man I want you to see that God describes man in totally different terms from those in which they describe themselves. Men think of their great intellect. Men think of their uh, tremendous knowledge, their glorious achievements in the area of speculation or of research, their philosophical depth. God looks at them and he says, your understanding is darkened. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, if the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness. We need to emphasize that today. Especially we need to emphasize it in a day. When the philosophies of ungodly men are being taken lock, stock and barrel and being dressed up ever so slightly and they're being brought into the church as God's answer to everybody's problems. It's what's happening today. There are seminars all over the country which are just dressed up presentations of the thoughts and the theories of ungodly. Philosophers and ungodly psychologists. We need to be very careful. I'm not going to give you a dissertation in the progress of church doctrine, but I do want to say this to you: that if you will study your uh, Bible and then study your church history very carefully, you will find that the dark ages did not fall in the church overnight. No, they came as the law, as the result of the long process of deterioration which set in almost immediately upon the death of the apostles of Jesus Christ And one of the most serious ways in which that deteriorating process set in was when men began to take the philosophies of the heathen philosophers and bring them into the Christian religion and express Christianity in the vocabulary and thought forms of the ungodly philosophies. It started way, way back in the early days and it wasn't long until, first of all, Plato, Was really the groundwork for almost all of the theological teaching of the Church. Later on, in the days of Thomas Aquinas, and right through the scholastic, uh, the latter scholastic period, and even into some Protestant theology, it was Aristotle who was elevated. And all that these heathen philosophers had to say was brought in as the basis upon which uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ was being presented. Is it any wonder that there was darkness? Now, what are we doing nowadays? Doing exactly the same thing. You have the wicked, darkened minds of men producing theories which may be criticized in the light of the Word of God, but they ought never to be made the basis for interpreting the Word of God. That's what's happening today. Let's get this very clearly. The mind of man is darkened at enmity with God. His heart, how does the Bible describe that? It's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, And verse 3, Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live and after they go to the dead. It's a very big verse. Full of evil, madness in their heart, now and even after they're in hell, The madness still fills their heart. There's darkness in their mind. There's evil and there's madness in the heart. Then there's the state of man. It's called the state of death in Ephesians 2. You're dead in trespasses and sins. We hear an awful lot about the ability of men. Well, what is their ability to do spiritual good? Romans 5 and 6. When we were yet without strength. That's the ability of the unsaved man. He's without strength. 1 Corinthians 12 and 3 says, No man can even call Jesus his Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. John 12 and 39 speaks of the ability of man to receive Christ as his own Savior. And it says categorically, They could not believe now this is what the Bible says this is the clear doctrine of God the Holy Spirit himself men their minds are full of darkness their hearts are full of madness and evil their state is the state of spiritual death their ability to do spiritual good and will spiritual good does not exist it was sold out to the devil at the fall and the natural reaction of the unseen man to the Spirit of God is given in Acts 7 and 51. Ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as did your fathers. That's a statement of man's natural condition. And I want you to see that. If God doesn't convict a man of his natural condition, then God's not going to save that man. It's sinners Jesus came to save. Jesus says, I haven't come to call the righteous to repentance. I have come to call sinners to repentance. And only when a man is uh, brought to the place where, as Solomon says, he can see his own plague understand the plague of his own heart and feel the guilt of his own sin and be willing to come to God and cry, My God, if you were to damn my soul in hell, from hell I would have to say, Lord, thou art righteous. Until a man is made to feel his utter sinfulness and ill desert, that man will go on in his darkness and go on in his madness. But what can deal with a dead man? What can lighten the darkness of the heart and the mind that's enmity with God? What can dispel the madness and the badness of the unregenerate soul? Nothing short of regeneration. Nothing short of regeneration. In other words, this work of salvation in the experience of a man must start right at the very depths of his need. Nothing short of a new birth can be of any use to him. Now, you can get a corpse And instead of laying it out in a coffin, you can set it up in an armchair, you can deck it out in beautiful robes, you can have a beautician come and uh, uh, put all the art of the beautician to work, and you can make that corpse look as lifelike as possible, you can colour its cheeks and put a a glistening agent in the eye, you can do everything, but at the end of the day it's a corpse still. Our churches are full of spiritual corpses, of people who have been dressed up in the garments of religion, and they have the rouge of self-righteousness put upon their cheeks. They are given the look-alike of life, and all the time they are dead in their sins. My friend, the great necessity is regeneration. Jesus said, ye must be born again. And I would say this to you today. You are in this meeting. You need to face this. I stand before my God. I'm either alive or I'm dead. I must, if I'm still dead in sin, be born again. There must be a commencement of spiritual life within me. I need to be born again.
0: listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org.